Okay. Chumash um, Dvarim. We start, we embark on the new Chumash. As we know, the Chumash Dvarim was said in the last days of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. Also, Today, being the uh, nine days, uh, towards the end of the three weeks, and we are looking forward to the Simcha. These days will be turned over, days of happiness and to joy. So, tonight we'll make a Siyam on Mesech Midas. We're hoping to get more. Uh, People present can't count you online to make a million here. Um, so, of course, we need to speak about the connection of Chumash Devarim, story of Moshe Rabbeinu reprimanding the Jews. And of course, the connection with the nine days, and as the Chumash Pash Devarim is always read the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av. Therefore, Therefore, we have to find also a connection between Moshe Rabbeinu's Teichecha and Pashas and the Sto- and Tishabav. But as we know that Shabbos is the day that Minim is Baruch Veikuliyem, and that all the days of the week are blessed, all the days of the week are benched from the day of Shabbos. And that question, of course, is, is it mean the days of the week prior, the days of the week after, the days of the week that lead up to that Shabbos, or the days of the week that are after that Shabbos, of which we are going to come to to visit or to experience. Also, I'd like to mention that this week is the day of Hey Of, Hey Menachem Of, the outside of Dariz Al Chai. Honestly, I must make a little confession before I start the actual shear that I got a few emails last week from people that download, get the shear on a weekly basis, and they want to know about my well being. I'm fine. I just not sleep enough because apparently the shear sounds very, very uh, drawn, and I almost um, 
garbling my words and I'm not finding myself with words sometimes. It has nothing to do. It's all lack of sleep. Which I was consistent with tonight. Uh, <coughs> I don't know if you got the email. If you didn't get the email, the start of Milsa the Dechusa. I got an email yesterday with a whole slew it was sent by actually by Claudia Deitch, I believe, who told me that she got it from another rabbi. She figured their kosher. And the first of the, the first story in the email was a Frenchman came to his priest and he says, "Father, I meet, need to confess." He says, "Why do you need to confess?" He says, "During World War Two, during the war, I hid a Jew in my attic." The Gallic said, what was wrong with that? It was a very nice thing to have done. She so said, yes, perhaps, but a little problem. I used to send up food to the Jew. When I sent up food, I would charge him for it. So the Gallic says, that's understandable. He says, listen, the situation was not good. The world was economically suffering and you were not any better off so obviously you have to charge father one more question says yes do I have to tell the Jew the war is over he was still feeding him I guess or hiding him Unfortunately, education of the Holocaust is not nearly as in-depth as it should be. The generation in which we live... be receiving a much more in-depth education of what happened only a few short 60 years ago. We have a participant tonight for this year. fifties, in the early fifties, many people, what happened? Many people that lived in the Upper West Side and the East Side and Manhattan and the Bronx or Riverdale were survivors. When a person was a survivor, it meant that unlike the average person, that if they had a mark, a scar, a tattoo, they would try to hide it and cover it. These people had nothing to hide. 
And they proudly displayed it. Uh oh, Ezra, I got a problem. Ah. Ah. We should see. Can you see me? Oh, I need to see this fool. Okay, for those who are not on Skype and they're listening to this later, my grandson, one years old, decided to come visit here and there's different things on the table and he took something that he really wants to have. There's a guy in Otsum who was halachically one of the daily days. Sage in our generation, and Moshe Feinstein. Or Rab Moshe, as he was referred to. Rab Moshe was a renowned expert in halacha. And all his responsa, the not all, but most of the shilas that were asked him, that got written out, were compiled into a set of svarim known as Igris Meisha. which in my bookcases is in the second section of Fourth Shelf Down. Ramesh was a very interesting Jew. He had quite a long life. He had a very, very profound way of thinking. He was a maven dover metech dover, which interesting, last night the Siam 770 was on Hadius, and the Siam Masechtas Hadius discusses the difference between Har Sinai and Eker Harim. There were certain Amaroyim that were referred to as Hasinai and those that were referred to as Eker Harim. That's it. My other grandson only wants a cup of water. Hey, this one's happier with other things. One wants the candies and one wants just a cup of water. And Rashi explains the concept of Hasinai is a bucky, a person that knows everything back and forth, while a Harim is a more sharper, a kharif, a sharper thought, which would also be a concept of Maven Dava, Metech Dava, understand something, can derive something from something else. 
I'll go a little bit on a tangent of the story that I was about to tell about Amisha to explain to you what a bucky is. They were there are Yidin till today, I believe. But in the previous generation, there were that many more of them that were bucky b'shas aposkim. They were bucky in the entire shas, the entire every tractate of Talmud. What's a bucky? A bucky understands where he's holding. A bucky understands. If you quote him something from the Gemara, he'll tell you where it is exactly. He'll tell you what page it's on. He'll tell you it, what side of the page it's on. That's a bucky. But a bucky goes even further. The bucky will tell you a good, real, clear bucky can tell you not only what page and what side, what part of the page, the top or the bottom. I merited to meet personally a Rav from Montreal. His name was Hirschbrunn. The Pinchas Hirschbrunn. He came to Yeshiva in Maristan when we were learning there. And he came to test the Bachram. Rav Hirschbrunn's line when he walked over to you and saw you the first time Shulam Aleichem was Lanster. Shalom Aleichem, what are you learning? Now immediately, you got, you took ten steps back. Because, if you tell him what you're learning, he's going to start testing you. If he starts testing you, he's going to make Ashen Park out of you. It'll be humiliating and embarrassing. So, you didn't really want to, but on the other hand, you wanted to meet Rav Hirschprung. Ivar Shem Lady has had a few more meetings with Rav Hirschprung. And Rav Hirschprung came into the Zal, into Bismedish, and he stood there, so everything became quiet. The whole place, you could hear a pin drop. And he said, Bukharim, he says, I understand you guys like to play games. I understand. He says, Does anybody have a pin? We all had a Gemaras open. I can't recall if somebody went to get a pin or somebody actually had one. You told the boy, take your pin. Go with your Gemara. Stick it in. Stick it in. The boy took the He stuck it in as hard as he could. And he asked the boy, how many pages did he go through? So the boy lifted up, he saw what page it was on. So he told him, he made a calculation, 28, whatever pages it was. The Hirschbrunn looked at the top of the page that he was at, added the amount of pages that he, the guy just told him, looked at the pin and told him what word the pin was on. He did this several times with several different mesechtas. We didn't take out all of them because obviously we didn't want to make idiots out of ourselves, but everybody was grabbing a different mesechta. And it didn't matter if the pin landed on a word of Gemara, Rashi, or Tesis. He told you exactly what the word was that it landed on. This is called a Bucky. Ramesha 
as they called him. It was a tremendous, had a tremendous awe with him, around him. When he walked in, he entered a place, he used to wear this big literacy, Amake. But he walked in, you felt, you knew this, this, this is a special man. In the summertime, people with numbers and without numbers on their arms traveled to the Catskills. They didn't start this year. They went back to all those years. And the people used to travel to the Catskills. And there was this one Bachel, the name is Yitzchak. He ultimately writes this story now. And he was up in the Catskills and he had an aunt that was not from. Happens. Either post Holocaust or whatever the case was. It was post Holocaust. It was a Holocaust survivor. And a lot of Holocaust survivors had different problems and issues with Tata. And his aunt and uncle, his uncle was a doctor in the concentration camps, and ultimately started a practice in upstate New York, in Ellensville or something. And I think the aunt was the secretary, the nurse, whatever. Bikitsa, he came to visit, and she told him, I have a very big surprise for you. <coughs> About No, no, excuse me. Before he came, he was visiting them, in their house, and she told him, I have a very big surprise for you. Tomorrow, at whatever time it was, that Moshe Feinstein is coming to see my husband. He was his physician. And I'm sure you'd like to meet him. This is like to. He was his, like more than a child in a candy shop. What more could he ask for? To meet the Moshe Feinstein. Bikitzer, he was there an hour earlier. And he sat in that waiting room. And he was plotting and waiting and waiting. Great anticipation. And lo and behold, on time, in walks with Moshe. He was wearing, needed people to hold him up a little bit. So there are two people holding him up. And the aunt stepped out from behind her desk. She walked up to greet Moshe. She said, here's my nephew, Aiki. She didn't say Yitzchak, she didn't say Isaac. Call him Aiki. Meisha was very warm to him. I asked him something. I spoke to him. And the, the aunt, from biggest fractious, like any other of the older patients, I guess, that used to come into the office, she leaned over and kissed her Meisha on the cheek. His nephew didn't know where to hide. He couldn't bury himself fast enough. The embarrassment, the bushes. His aunt just kissed the Moshe. What are you thinking? And he started to epke and bepke and try to apologize to the Moshe that she doesn't understand, she doesn't know, she's not really firm, she doesn't understand what Yiddish guy, she doesn't understand. You're not allowed to touch a man, you're not allowed to kiss a man. Moshe turned to him. And he said to him, have you seen your aunt's arm? 
He knew what he was referring to because he's seen his hands arm. He's seen that tattoo. If I'm not mistaken, actually, the story, the way he writes it, even starts off where he asked, his, the mother, the child asked the mother, when do we get our numbers? Because the mother used to, he used to see the mother and the father had numbers on their arms. And here in America, he asked, when do we get our numbers? The kids are, he was very aware of the numbers on her arm. So Moshe says to him, a person with those numbers on the arm are so holy and so pure, it doesn't matter. They can do nothing wrong. They can do nothing wrong. And therefore, he, never, he told him, you don't have to excuse yourself, you don't have to reprimand, you don't have to worry about it. Pashas Dvarim Eila Dvarim Eila for those that are quick with Gematria Gematria 36 most people you say 36 means 2 times high but that's only by an appeal today in the Babach when they say an appeal 36 doesn't ring a bell it's 56 because two times you keep. Huh? Um, 36. What significance is 36? Eila Advarim. This is Rishchidesh Shvat. Mesha stood up to talk to the Yidin, to reprimand the Yidin before he dies. And Mesha Rabbeinu passed away on Zion Adar. you do the calculation, it's 36 days. Therefore, these are the 36 days. But the Rebbe asked a question on Eila Advarim. <laughs> a little not so proper for the nine days or for any other time or for Rashir. But it's, it's unfortunately a way to explain what we're going to say. There's a young man that was learning for a long time in Yeshiva. He got married, and his father-in-law was holding him out for ten years. Tell it. All right, we'll tell it. Finally, the father-in-law says, "You know, you know, you know, get stuff in bank. You know, catch in the bank. Time to get a panasa." This is panasa. I don't know what to do. Panasa, baby. He says, um, I'll give you 10,000 ruble, go to the city, to the town, and find something that's going to sell. The greener takes the 10,000 ruble, he comes to town, and this guy, one of these sly guys, finds him. Mm-hmm. And he says, Can I help you? Is everything okay? He says, Yeah, I need a business. I came to buy a business. Business. I have businesses. How many businesses would you like to buy? What do you have? So I have 10,000 rubles. Oh. Tell me. What do you eat for breakfast? Eggs. Do you ever 
watch your wife make a kulul? He says, yeah. What does she put in the kulul? Eggs. You ever see her bake a cake? Yeah. What goes in the cake? Eggs. And he starts to explain to him how integral eggs are in, in the house. Yeah. Shut up. No, I'll leave it. It's a case of egg. Oh, I thought that was the yeah, wire. Yeah, there's 30 eggs, 30 dozen eggs sitting there, yeah. Um, it, it'll last longer than this week, I hope. I have for you eggs. A wagon full of eggs. You take the wagon full of eggs, it's exactly 10,000 ruble with the horse. Now you have to realize that Mr. Bloomberg was not the mayor in this area. Are you going to leave before we finish? So you take away a minion? Oh, boy. Oh, I have a minion? We're trying to get one. We're six. I need four. We can get men the eunuch here, and hopefully enough tell you. Alright, I'll change Kitta, the roads were not Mayor Bloomberg's work, so therefore they were rickety and bumpy. We don't have potholes in New York, in Chazrashon. We have a mayor named Bloomberg. There are no potholes here. So, traveling from the city to the town, the rickety road and the, the sh- lack of shocks on the wagon, the wagon zetsing back and forth in the hot summer day, the eggs were smettering and banging and kratzing. And the sun was baking down and the egg yolks are just sliding off the sides of the ba- wagon. And the baking sun was making it even more fashtunken. And lo and behold, a fellow shows up with a quarter of a wagon left of eggs. The rest is scrambled eggs already on the wagon. But the stink was horrific. And the whole town came out to see this uh, this spectacle. And the fellow had no idea what happened to his merchandise. He knew he had eggs. (coughs) He stills in front of his wagon. He's smiling. He's pointing, eggs! The whole town is standing there laughing. The men, the women, and children are laughing at this Mishigana. <laughs> the aid of the Shver comes out. And he sees this spectacle. Now, unfortunately, the punchline is in Yiddish. And he tells the people, Why are you looking at the eggs? Look at the pots. Um... Yeah. The kids said, Eggs. These are them. It's excitement. He's exclaiming with excitement something so exciting here. What's so exciting about the new Chumash of Dvarim? These are the words that Mesha spoke. From here we learn, Zakhtagamara, that Kol Yein Yelacha that every time we learn something, it should be like a new thing that we're learning. The excitement should be there to such an extent as if we the first time we've learned it. Hastus, our lifestyle has to be the same. It has to have always a new approach to it. We approach a mitzvah, we approach something, we approach our style of life is no less than a miracle. 
And what's a miracle? A miracle is an unprecedented change in nature. And therefore the person now has to go, is now facing the divine service that he has. And it's a total change. It's a new life that he's taking on. How did God give us this new gift every day? This new gift comes to us every day because we have a concept called sleep. Because we sleep at night, by sleeping at night, the person is the new person in the morning. And the new person in the morning has his new chiddush. Question is, you want to bring about such a miracle that you're refreshing the neshama, that it's a new creation the next morning, and what do you do? You take a thing called sleep. Sleep, something that puts the person totally out of commission, that gives the person a total lapse of doing Tera Mitzvah. That's called being Mechadish. That's how he's going to get a new way. Elamai, this is exactly what Abishad did. He wanted to show the person how every day and everything that we do is a new thing, a new way of a new way of working for serving God. And therefore he built this mechanism that makes the miracle of changing nature, which is called sleep. And that's the Ayla Advaram, it's the new beautiful thing that we are now hearing, that we're now experiencing. But Mesha goes on to hint all the different sins that the Eden did. Now in essence this doesn't make sense because he's not even talking to the same generation. They didn't do these sins. The people that are going now into Hetzel did not commit all the sins that he's talking about. So that would be a question for another time. But in the middle of this Musa The story of the Tzalach Tzedek he once by a Fabrengen was reprimanding about a certain sin he's talking and talking about a certain berating whoever committed the sin horrifically and after Fabrengen a chassid jumped up and ran over to the Tzemach Tzedek and said, Rebbe, how could you do that to me? How could you humiliate me like that in public and, and discuss openly my sin? Tzemach Tzedek said to him, did you ever walk by a hat store? What? A hat store. You go by a hat store, you see, Michelle, the hat you're wearing, if I would try to wear that, uh, <laughs> not for me. But the manufacturer that still made that hat, did he have you in mind? No, he didn't custom make it for you. But when you saw the hat, it's Matim Lecha. So therefore you took that. I wouldn't pick up You picked up the hat. Someone says the same thing. I'm a hat maker. I give the information. Yeah? Yeah? Seven seventy live. Yeah, at night. Yeah, yeah.
dot com. Yeah, and then you'll tip. Yeah, you'll hit English, and then you'll see on top it says the live broadcast. Twenty. Yeah, quarter was the word. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm in the middle. Give me a share. Okay. It's wondering why he would be calling me. He knows I was just sitting with him by a share from seven to eight, and he knows I give a share from nine to ten. Okay. <laughs> So Samuel Sedek said, I'm a hat maker. I make the hat. I don't custom make it for anybody. Whoever's going to find that hat fits him. That's his problem. <laughs> it's not, I made you the hat and I said that you're the one that I made the hat for. So the Chassid understood, and this is what Maisha Rabbeinu does here. When he enumerates the sins one after the other, he doesn't tell them, this is because you did this, and you did this, and you did this. He talks on a general basis and only in hints. Any news from your brother Mandy and Aftali? Aftali said no. Aftali said no? Tell me, Mandy is going to try to shut the problem, but he's coming himself. Okay, what happened to Yaron? He said he's coming. My daughter's in Israel. said it's raining and not leaving your house. Abe, you okay over there? Ah, he's on vacation. He's on vacation. In the middle of the Teichach, though, in the middle of the argument, Meshach stops. And he says, God should bless you the way you are today, a thousandfold. There were 600,000 Jews. First of all, what's the thousand? Tenfold? Hundredfold? Million for what's the A thousand times. There are two times in the Teda that God confronted Moshe and said, I'm going to make from you a nation. Once by Chetaegel, once by Memeriva, God wanted to destroy the Jewish nation, and Moshe Rabbeinu saved the nation. For each time, though, the Abishta said he would make a nation out of Moshe. And by saying this, for each time, it meant that they, he tell, David had told Mesha, I'll make a nation 500 times the way it is today. So since David had told this to Mesha twice, therefore is a thousand. This is why Mesha ultimately says though, when he gives this bracha, he says, Zemeshali. This is from me, my bracha. Why is it his bracha? And now besides that point, let's take this one a little deeper. Meisha's gematria 345. Let's take the words Kale Shakai. Kale Shakai, God's two names, Kale and Shakai. Kale is 31, and Shakai is 314. 314 and 31. I don't know. Now, there's another way of working with letters. The Aleph, instead of just writing it as a letter Aleph, it's written Aleph Lamed Fei. To pronounce it, 
to know how to pronounce it. It's Aleph Lamed Fei. The Lamed is Lamed Mem Dalid. The Fei is Fei. If we take the letters of Kale Shakai and we spell them out, each letter is Gematria 1000. Zem Mishali. That's from my name, says Misha. Not only it's my five, my thousand, it's my name. But let's 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 talk practical. A thousand times six hundred thousand is a number. He takes a nation and he tells the same nation that was blessed that they will multiply that they will multiply like the stars in heaven, like the sands on the beach. And he tells them you're going to be limited to a thousand times six hundred thousand. What a minimal number. As he tell a marshal of a fellow that the king wanted to reward him. And they took a chessboard. They may know how many squares there are on a chessboard. The 64 squares. He told the king, you want to reward me? Here's the chessboard. I want a stalk of wheat. <laughs> a stalk of wheat? That's the reward you want from the king? Well, fill my chessboard, but not each one with one. The first one should have one, and then keep doubling it. Second one, two. The third one, six. Four. The fourth, on and on and on. Now, if you keep doing that number, by the time you get to sixty-four, season sixty-four, you're way out of numbers. Moshe says the first mathematical season, mathematical equation in the Torah is this line. Yosef Hashem Lachem Kochem Elafamim. He says God should multiply you six hundred thousand to the thousandth power, which means six hundred thousand times six hundred thousand times that number by that number by that number by that number to a thousand times. <laughs> and then we're running back to going to take a break from the parsha moment, and we're going to make a siyum and mesechtes midos. As we know, Masechus Midas, as we've been during the, throughout the three weeks, we learned a Mishnah of, or a Musik of Masechus Midas, and we also learned a Pasuk or something from Yecheskel and something from Rambam Hilgas Beis Abachira. Um, I attended a Shir every night from 6 to 7 and 770, where I've been and we finished. All three subjects in piety. Now we're learning Sichas of the Rebbe. The last Mishnah, Mesechtas Midas. <laughs> Only Torah could do this. The Mishnah is printed. Every Mishnah It says, Shebedarim Lishkas Eitz. In the south was Lishkas Eitz. But it doesn't mean that, because you look at the map, it was not in the south, it was in the west. It was in the north. And therefore, the Mishnah has in a parenthesis, Nusachacha Shebetzofen, Lishka says. And that's what it really means.
There were different lishachis, which were like rooms on the outside of the Azara. And he says as follows, on the north side there was Lishkas Eitz, Lishkas Hagela, Lishkas Hagazis, and Lishkas Eitz. Four Lishkas. There was a Tana that was from the time of the Beis Hamidash, and on him they relied to tell them exactly what went on in the Bayasheni. And he is basically the Tana of the Mishnah Mesechus Midas. And his name was Rebeleza ben Yaakov. Now when it comes to Lishka Sa'etz, Amr Rebeleza ben Yaakov, Rebeleza ben Yaakov says, Shochakti Mahaisa Mishtameshes. I forgot what they use this for. Now, the question is, of course, if you don't remember, don't say anything. We didn't ask you. You didn't describe the other ones. But Abashol says it's Lishkas Kengadlan. We learn later in Rambam and everything else that the reason that this Lishkas Eitz was Lishkas Kengadlan, one of the reasons is to give the Kengadlan some humbleness, some humility, that everything else is with gold and silver ornate and everything, and here's a wooden room. This wooden room so did not fit the decorum. But it showed him that although you are in such a high position, you're only a human being. is behind two of them. and the roof of the three of them were together. There was the ditch, that the irrigation ditch. And the wheel that was placed on top of it. And from there they put water into the throughout the entire Azara. Then they had Lishkas Hagazis. And the Lishkas Hagazis, Sanhedrin Gedele used to sit. And therefore, as it comes to the end of the Rambam, it talks about one of the things that w- could be missing that it would not be able to do the Vedas if the Sanhedrin was not sitting in Lishka Sagazis. What did they do in Lishka Sagazis Sanhedrin? They judged the Kohanim. That they found was not fit for the service. Levish he put on black. Umisatish was wrapped in black. and was driven out. but if he didn't have a psal, and they said he rendered him fit for service. Levish Levanim, he worked white, Levanim, 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 Umisatim Levanim. And he was wrapped in white. Nichnas and he went into the base Hamigdash and Mishamish im Echavakanim into the Azizakuna. And he worked together with his Kahan and his brothers. The Yomtif Hayu Asim and a Yomtif was made. Shalanim Sapsul Bazare Shalar Nakaim. Who made this Yomtif? The Rebbe explains the Kahanim. 
that were in the premise, when another Kayan entered, and he came in with white garments, they knew that he was passed. They all celebrated for him. Immediately we see one of the reasons that this Mishnayis is learned during the three weeks, during the nine days especially, teaching us the tremendous Avas Yisrael that the Kahanim had for one another. Because the truth of the matter is that if I don't have another Kayan there, I'm getting more work. I get to do more things in the Beis Hamidosh. But when a new Kayan comes in, he's stepping on my turf. He's stepping on my land, on my ground. He's doing my job. So technically, do not be happy that the Kayan came along. But here the Kahanim were actually extremely, extremely happy. And they had a praise, they had a blessing, they had a tefillah that they said. What do they say? The Kachayimrim, this is what they would say. Baruch HaMokim, Baruch Hu, blessed is the Almighty, blessed is He. Shalai Nimtza Psul, they did not find a Psul, Bezare Shal Aaron, and the children of Aaron. Ubaruch Hu, and blessed is He, Shebachar Ba'aron Ubanov, that He chose Aaron and His children, Lamei, to stand, the Shores, to serve the Fnei Hashem, before God, Bebez Kedesh Kadashim. And the Shalma Mesechtas Midas. Let us just scrutinize here what we just said. The Kahanim were very excited. They celebrated the Kayan passing the test, the Kayan entering into the service. And they celebrated and they blessed the Abishta. And when they said two things, first of all, blessed is the Abishta. That Epsul was not found in the children of Aaron. And then they say, mm-hmm. and blessed is he that he chose Aaron and his children to serve in the Beis Hamikdash. But he doesn't say the Beis Hamikdash, he says only a Kedish Kadoshim. So we have several questions. First of all, it's the Kedish Kedashim belongs only to the Kain Gadol. And he only did Aveda one day a year. Secondly, and this is even stranger than the whole thing, they blessed the Abishta, there was no Psul in the Kahanim. And then they blessed the Abishta for giving the Kahanim the opportunity to serve. It should be the total opposite. By blessing the Kerebishter, that is no psalm in the Kahanim, why? What are you blessing him for? What's the difference if it's a psalm or it's not a psalm? When is, why is there a difference? Because if he's a psalm, he can't do the Aveda. But we don't know he can do the Aveda. It's only the second time that we bless him, that we bless the Abishta, that the Kahanim could do, that they were given the opportunity to do the Aveda. Oh, you, you, you see yourself in there? <laughs> That's amazing. You ever see? Yeah, wave to him. He's gorgeous. He is gorgeous. He's not the baby. 
Bafa Kushtim I should see. That's hysterical. He sees himself in this guy. Yeah, one funny kid. So the Rebbe asks, you got your perspectives wrong here. It should start off with blessed is he who gave Aaron his Aaron, and then talk about and blessed David there that there's no Nimsub soul. It didn't fit into the picture. And what Shat Kedish Kadashim? So first the Rebbe explains the concept of Kedish Kadashim is a very simple one practically. Because at Yerushalayim is considered Kedish. Harabayas is considered Kedish. The Azara and everything else is considered Kedish. The actual basic being the the, the base base the temple itself, the place where the actual base Hamidish was, was the Kedish of the Kedashim of all these Kedashim in which it's found the Harabayas and the Yerushalayim, and all the other Kedushas in which it's, it's intertwined here, this is the Kedish in those Kedashim. So therefore it does not have to refer only to the Kain Godel, that only the Kain Godel goes into the Kedish Kedashim. You understood that, right? Good. Now, so Kedush Kedashim could refer to the base Hamidish itself. The, 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 the Actual binyan, which find itself a kedush amongst the kedushim, and that's where the kahanim did the aveda. Elamai, why does he bring around the baruch first of the kahanim, and then of the that didn't have a psul? Because the fact of the matter is, we knew that machna levia was separated after for this, but. What is the lesson to us in that case? What does it have to do with us as the regular Jew? I'm not a Kayan, I'm not a Levi. So what, what lesson do I take from this? And the Rebbe says, the whole idea is, Machlekes Rambam and Ramban, if the Beis Hamikdash has to have all the Kalim also, or if it doesn't render that puzzle without one Kalim missing. If the Kalim are a separate entity, or everything is one piece over here. The bottom line is, though, that the building, that is edi- the edifice that's put together here, is put together so that there should be a the Shekhinah should have where to rest. So since the whole thing is based on the fact that the Shekhinah should have where to rest, which in essence is only by the Arun, but we, being a Migdash Ma'at, each and every person being a Migdash Ma'at, has to also see to it that his Migdash Ma'at has the proper kalim, has the proper tools, and has the proper behavior and actions, so that he is, is a, a proper keli to accept Hashra's Hashkina on him, to accept the resting of the Shkina on each and every person. And therefore it's automatic that we say that I know that the Leviim and the Yisraelim have the separate job. And therefore they didn't First, I could say that Baruch HaMokim, that there's no psul by any kahanim, there's no psul by any yid. That all yid namich kulam tzadikim, and we're all perfect, and we're all fine. And then we say, and Baruch HaMokim, and Baruch Hu, on the fact that he gave the Aveda to Zarei Shlaren, they are talking a special with that in its own. 
Now, the truth is that since this is a Siyam of Masech, this Midas is Hachdu, the nine days. Okay, and we know... Huh? Okay. And we know... So we'll save that for the Kaddish. Make sure they go to the kitchen. So I'm going to take Moshe Tzvi back to the kitchen. As much as he doesn't like to part with his AD. So therefore, therefore, we know that the in in the Avteda it says Tzia b'mishpati pada v'shavah b'tzdaka. So we have a coin for everybody to please partake in this fulfilling of Tzia b'mishpati pada v'shavah b'tzdaka. Before we, until the minion gets here, so that we can say Kaddish. No, you can't get my shoes. Where is he? Where is he? Where is He's putting on a hot saga. Okay. He's giving us a, a little of a show. The, just know a little few more things on the parish itself. I saw a Boshemta story tonight that I haven't seen for a long time or I don't remember seeing actually at all. There's a chassid. I guess there was a fible. The fible always wanted to go to measure Bush to be with the Baal Shem Tov for Tishrei. Yaki. Always wanted to go to measure Bush to be with the Baal Shem Tov. This is his lifelong wish. But obviously he wouldn't go and leave his family without, without Panasa. So he spent years and years saving up so that the family would have enough money to live while he was away for the month by the Baal Shem Tov. And finally, the day came that he saved up enough and he boarded the wagon with the chassidim and they were off to the five-day journey to the Vashem to Mezhibuz. And they arrive in Mezhibuz and they come inside and the shul is packed. The shul is just waiting. The walls are waiting for the Kedusha to begin. And from a door on the side, the Holy Balshemtiv enters. And there's thousands of chassidim standing around. Who does the Balshemtiv find? Fivel. The Balshemtiv looks at him and he starts to berate him. Fivel, you fool! You idiot! 
what are you doing here? What brings you here? What are you thinking by coming here? <coughs> to be here amongst the Chassidim, to be here in my presence. What kind of buffoon are you? Get out of here! Leave! Five was shocked. First time he gets to the Hashem and the Hashem is degrading him and, and just torturing him. And he starts to back out. He's backing out and the Hashem is still screaming at him. He is, I mean, embarrassed is not the word. He backs out and he gets his little chamadan, his rental, and he gets to the carriage, the place where the carriages are, and he tells the guy, here's the money, take me home. They travel a short time and he stops. He says, why are we stopping? He says, what do you mean, Goyle? It's dark. Can't go any further now. We're spending him time in the inn. In the morning we'll go. No. Fievel comes into the inn, and he doesn't know what to do. He's depressed beyond. He's not taking a bed. He's not going to sleep. And he doesn't know how to handle this. And he sat down in the corner. He took a little drink with him. And he sat in the corner moping. As he's sitting there, he hears noise. A wagon showing up. No, it wasn't the Bashamtav. The wagon pulls up. A bunch of chassidim get off, and they're singing and dancing. Tomorrow we arrive in Mezhibush. Tomorrow we get to Mezhibush. Simcha Gedeida. Chassidim is Bashamtav. And they're sitting in Fabrenging. And they come inside, and they get a bottle or two of vodka, and they bring together a bunch of tables. And they're starting to fabreng and they're drinking and they're singing the gunim. And all of a sudden, Tuch Sidim see five sitting in the corner. They said, Abid, Kumzak Lechayim. He's too depressed. He's sitting there. He's so humbled. So, what do you mean? Join us. I figured maybe he's a misnagged. Doesn't like to sit with the chsidim. So two chsidim walked over to the guy, grabbed him by his arms, slapped him over to the table, and they poured down his gullet, one lechaim after another. Got to a point, five was. Five was, was fully loaded. But so was the sun. The sun was already rising. It was time to go later. Chassidim started going out to the carriage. Five didn't know what world he was in. They picked him up, threw him on the carriage, heading back to Balshemta. Before he knew it, he's in the Bismedish. Before he could say boom, before he could leave, Balshemta enters. And Hashem looks around and sees Fievel and starts to scream, Fievel, Shalom Aleichem! Where were you? I was so worried about you. I was so... 
mixed messages, man. And the Bashem explains to him, you brought a few people? Okay, good. Where were you? I was so worried. I was so concerned for you. Five doesn't know what the Bashem is talking about. El Hashemtiv tells him, when you walked in here yesterday, I saw that you were not living till Rosh Hashanah. There was Xayda on you that you had to die. I didn't know how to handle it. I tried to daven, I tried to do something, it wasn't going away. So I figured out that if a person gets thoroughly embarrassed in public, it's as if he died. So I had to humiliate you so badly that you should feel like you were dead. Now you left and you arrived in an inn because it was too long of a journey. And the Chassidim arrived in the inn. And the Chassidim knew that their mission was to bring back another Chassid. So now the Chassidim brought you back. This is Meish Rabbeinu's blessings. And this is the blessings to us and to Kal Yisrael. That Yehovchu Yomelu the Sosin of the Simcha. And that we should talk you here this Shabbos. Shabbos Chazain. We should see the Beis Hamidash, the Badit says. We didn't manage to talk about Hayav. We didn't manage to talk about Tishabov. We're in trouble because it's uh, overtime.